Hello and welcome to the Top Order Podcast. We're in Bizarro World this morning. We've gone back in time to the days of low-scoring thrillers in ODI cricket. Australia, South Africa, Eden Gardens, all coming up after this. Swish. <laughs> Baldy, we're in Bizarro World this morning for this tournament, uh, You know, which has seen New Zealand score 300 plus three times in, in losing causes. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the game in more detail and how it all played out in a few moments. But firstly, how are you feeling? I mean, eighth World Cup final, I think, for Australia now. Very impressive. Yeah, great to be here. It's uh, Like you say, it's a bit bizarro world this morning. Uh, I'm both uh, the podcaster formerly known as and also partying like it's 1999 after the semi-final against <laughs> South Africa. I, I am a little bit flippant, but it, it is good. It's genuinely good to be here for Australia after the first two losses in the tournament. Uh, I was hypercritical of their preparation. We'll come back to that in this pod because I've got some uh, humble pie on my desk here that I need to eat around Australia's preparation. But Australia got the job done against South Africa. They're through to a final against the host nation, India. It's a a great day for Australian cricket, and I'm appropriately dressed. As much as it washes me out on video, I've got a nice little canary yellow polo that was a present from my wife, so I promised I'd wear it if Australia made the final, and here we are. And Raj, you you must be uh, quietly grinning over there. South Africa fall at the uh, important hurdle once again, as you predicted. (laughs) Yeah, look, uh, that's, you know, I'm not going to revel in somebody's loss like that. Uh, There'll be a lot of people around the world very uh, saddened by South Africa's loss, um, not just South African fans. Um, But look, it was a great game. Going back to these sort of low-scoring one-dayers, I think it's where it's at, you know. Everyone talks about how it's all about boundaries and scoring runs. No, no, this is where it it gets very, very good for us cricket purists. Oh, Raj, I could not agree with you more. Like, this was a fantastic... All my notes are at how great it is when there's a contest between bat and ball and how a low-scoring game of cricket, you know, two, that magic number, 212 again, shades of 1999. Um, yeah, just a fantastic game of cricket. And And isn't it much better when there's a contest between bat and ball, when you've got something in the game for everybody? We saw... Terrific pace bowling in this game in the first 10 overs for Australia. We saw fantastic spin bowling from South Africa. We saw wonderful ground fielding. We saw good catching. We saw a 100. We saw a close finish. I mean, are you not entertained, cricket fans? I know that it's only not just over half of the runs that were scored in the India-New Zealand semi-final, and that was a fantastic and entertaining game too. But for tension and drama, a close, low-scoring game of cricket – where you're trying to hit singles to win the game in the back end of the of the game, it's it's just fantastic. A, a great advertisement for uh, one day cricket, even if it's not the the format that maybe the more modern fan might enjoy as much. I've I've got a question for you, Baldy. You often talk about the Stark barometer. How excited were you after that first over and the oh. first fourteen in general before the rain? Oh, the 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 first two deliveries. Immediately, I knew. Okay, it's on here. He's got shape. He looks like he's running in with purpose. Australia, and I know it was said a lot in commentary in the first 10 overs, but Australia were up and about in that first 10 overs. Um, the ground fielding, let's touch on it now, the ground fielding from Manus and from uh, Warner in particular in the offside uh, inside the circle was just outstanding. It's the best I've seen Australia's ground fielding in a long, long time. They saved 
easily 20 runs in that first five or six overs and allowed Australia's bowlers to build the pressure. And they just didn't miss. Stark didn't miss his length until about the ninth over, I think. Uh, Markram got one on his pads and he flicked it away for four for the first boundary, sort of 50-odd balls into the innings. So um, Stark was incredible. The lengths that Josh Hazelwood was also able to bowl at the other end. Australia bowled in partnership in that power play for the first time in this tournament. And you can see when Australia get a little bit of movement, that bowling attack is a completely different side. When they're straight up and down and you can line somebody up and hit the ball on the top of the bounce, you know, players can get on top of them. But if there's any movement off the wickets, uh, Hazelwood in particular, he was just outstanding. He could have had four for five for in that first four or five overs. He beat the bat on both edges, actually. He beat the outside of the bat and he beat the inside edge of the bat on a number of occasions. He could have had you know, easily four or five wickets in that first power play. It's funny, eh? Australia, uh, you know, thinking about this, Australia has in some ways become the underdog at this World Cup because, like, everyone wrote them off at the start of the tournament after their, you know, their first couple of losses and sort of the way that those games panned out. The you know they were dropping catches, they were doing everything wrong. Even you know before this game in our semi final preview, we were talking about you know Baldy, you said my kingdom for a, you know for a wicket in the power play, and you know we talked about how the opening partnerships had dominated against Australia, and then you know they they I think once someone did say it on the pod, I'm sure you know this Australian lineup these these are class bowlers. And look, they deliver on the biggest stage, you know, Stark and Hazelwood and, and then Cummins coming in to, to back it up a bit later on. I mean, yeah, just to have them, whatever it was, 20 for four or, you know, I mean, it, it seemed like that might almost be game over. But then, you know, Miller and, and Klaassen, probably now is the time to, to talk about the partnership because they certainly got South Africa back into this match. Absolutely, they did. 20 for four. As you said, Raj, you know, they could have been all out for what? What were you hoping for? All out for 60, something like that. Hoping is not the right word, but uh, <laughs> I, I predicted after they were four for not many that it might be a, a quick game anyway. Yeah. I mean, one more wicket for Australia at 20 for four, and it could have been all out for 60, really. If if uh, Janssen was in inside the first 20 overs, Australia might have had a very, very small chase, but it was a terrific partnership under tremendous pressure. There was by no means um, easy for batting out there uh, when Miller and Klaassen were together. Um, you know, Australia bowled probably for the first time in a long, long time. Stark and Hazelwood all the way through the power play and then into the, that 11 to 20 bracket. That opening spell of Starks was his longest ever in an ODI. He'd never bowled that many overs on, on the trot before. So Australia were able to put themselves in an unprecedented position but once they kind of moved out of the attack and Cummins moved in, Zampa moved in, Maxwell moved in, Cummins in particular uh, was just a tiny bit off his off his length. Um, he's been he's been that way all the whole World Cup, really. He hasn't quite been at the peak of his powers. He hasn't extracted the same amount of movement as Hazelwood and Stark were able to get last night. And as we saw, you straight up and down to Klaassen and Miller and, the, and they'll take you down. And I thought they batted terrifically, particularly against Zampa. Whenever he was full to David Miller, David Miller took him downtown. Uh, and then Klaassen was able to pounce on him when he dragged his length back a little bit. So they batted in partnership against Zampa terrifically. He had 32 off his first four overs. And South Africa took Australia's previously strength in this World Cup really out of the game for a period of time. And Australia had to turn to 
Maxwell had to turn to Travis Head for a period of time to get a breakthrough uh, to break that partnership. So um, a terrific, a terrific partnership from Klaassen and Miller to get South Africa to something that was competitive. So just just a spotlight on on David Miller, uh, and I'm going to ask you, Stu, you, you've been a big sort of advocate for the South Africans and the way they've been playing over the last two years or so. David Miller, he's been consistent for a very, very long time now. Good to see him really dig South Africa out of a hole in a pressure situation there. Calm, picked up boundaries when he need to, needed to, but ultimately missing out on, on, on some support from the other end, maybe aside from Klaassen. Uh, tell us about, about what you thought about his innings. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Bully and, and you have both said it. He was calm. And, and I think the way that they took down Zampa was really the big thing for me because he's been such a key bowler in this tournament. You know, we've seen, I mean, we saw in the South Africa bowling innings how important spin was going to be in that game. And, and obviously, Travis Head had a little bit of an impact as well. But yeah, I think the thing I've, I just enjoy about Miller is that he he's sort of the finisher tag, right? He he that's his role in the South African side. He you know, and actually, when you look through that batting lineup, it's it's pretty hard to get him any higher because you've got the likes of Markram and Van, Van der Dussen and uh, and Klaassen who are, have all been performing very well as you know throughout the last twelve months as well. So it is hard to get him further up the order, but he's certainly a better batter than that. And when he does have these opportunities like now where we see him get in and have time to bat, he can compile a hundred. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, look, he's going to, a special moment for him to get a hundred in a, a massive game like this, but obviously one he might not think of that fondly now, but yeah, brilliant, brilliant innings. And I think the way that, I sort of think the way that they batted at the end around him possibly wasn't good enough in terms of, I, I mean, they've certainly left some runs out there, Obviously, it got went from 119 for four to 119 for six in a minute, and and we might shine a little spotlight on Travis Head. But you know, I think even the way that Kutsia kind of batted with him, Maharaj kind of batted with him, I, I sort of wish that they'd you know they'd almost let uh, Miller take over a little bit more, and and because 20 or 30 runs at the end of the day, it might not have felt like it at the time, but 20 or 30 runs now, when we look back at this game, could have been pretty crucial. Oh, huge. So, Absolutely yeah, excellent, huge. excellent stuff from Miller. Yep, Miller was outstanding. Absolutely huge uh, for Australia to break that partnership when they did. Travis Head's little spell there uh, was was you know just absolutely what you needed. And it was interesting because there was a stat that flashed up. Travis Head was turning the ball more than anyone else at the World Cup at one point. He was getting four point three degrees of turn, S- certainly more than Zampa was getting, certainly more than Maxwell was getting. I mean, Maxwell's a bit round arm, so he doesn't get as much turn. Uh, potentially as a guy who's bowling over the top like Travis Head. You can fill us in on the techniques, Stu, but the dismissal of Klaassen was one that didn't turn. You know, straight ball in India that didn't, on the stumps, that doesn't turn. You know, Klaassen plays inside the line, beats the outside edge and bowls him. Huge wicket for Australia. And then the Marco Janssen LBW, uh, just fantastic bowling to a batter first up. You know, it's difficult to get in on that surface. We, we expected there to be turn and for spinners to dominate. Uh, South Africa did a terrific job of taking Australia's premier spinner out of the game. And we had to turn to a part-timer like Travis Head to get the breakthrough. And we were just a little bit lucky, I think, that we were able to do that. But it was good bowling from, from Travis Head. Um, he was able to extract a lot of turn. I really like what he's able to do in that, um, in that kind of part-time role for Australia with his little offies. And, and just around that, uh, you know, South Africa's rallied 119 for four, and then all of a sudden 119 for six. I'm sure that 
made you feel a little bit better, Baldy, about the situation at the time. But what were you what were you comfortable chasing? What were you thinking? Uh oh, what you know? What what are they going to get that we can chase, or we're going to struggle to chase? Uh, in the power play, I was thinking to myself, it was a two twenty wicket. Matt Hayden at the toss said it was a three hundred deck, and that was as outrageous as his hat. Um, two twenty was a really really good score. Um, you know, South Africa got to two twelve. I think at the thirty over mark. Uh, what were they, 119 for four-ish around there. So, you know, it was that 220 to 240 kind of surface. And I think if South Africa had got any more than 230, I think they would have put Australia under real pressure. And at the end there, Australia would have had to take a lot more risk in that last 10 overs to get themselves from 180 to 230 as it was. We'll talk about it as we come up. Was it a little bit more comfortable in terms of the amount of risk that Australia needed to take with the tail batting? Uh, So Australia did a really good job. Uh, from getting from 119 for four to 119 for six and then kind of restricting South Africa, even though they got 100-odd in their last four wickets. Australia did a good job to make sure that that damage wasn't uh, more severe with with Miller still at the crease. You're spot on about the Travis Head dismissals to to sort of pinpoint them because I think that's ideal as an off you know, thinking of as an off-spinner, the fact that you've skidded one through and hit the stumps, the new batter walks out and, the uh, you know, Miller's probably gone to him, oh, mate, that's skidded through a little bit. And so, and then heads big turner to get Janssen. I think that's sort of your dream, ideal couple of deliveries to kind of figure someone out. Well, you know, I know they're two different batters, but they would have had the same information. So, yeah, fig- figuring that out, that was that was huge. I think we probably now might move to the Australian batting and, you know, I guess continue the Travis Head discussion. We talked about how much of an impact those Australian seamers made at the start. And I think South Africa was, they were 18 for for one after 10 overs. Very, very different story in the Australian innings. Get off to an absolute fly ahead. And and Warner have been doing it all tournament. That's been the goal for them to try. And, you know, it hasn't always worked out. They've often lost an early wicket, but they have certainly tried to, to dominate that power play. And at 60 for none after six overs, they, they certainly did that today. Yeah, I found it very interesting. Uh, I think the Australian plan, and maybe, Border, you could shed some light on this, was basically if you bowled fast, you were going to go to the boundary. Uh, and if you bowled spin, they'd, they'd take another look at you. But it, w- it was a great start. Um, Travis Head in particular, uh, I was talking to you boys about this off, off podcast. What an integral part of the Australian team he has become. I guess since that, if you look back to that first season of the Test the TV series where he was a real fringe player. Now he almost dictates terms on a, on an every game basis. But he was incredible uh, with the with the bat uh, on a pitch where people were struggling to score runs very quickly at all. He he went at 129. I, I can see his strike rate there. Uh, it was it was incredible. And if they hadn't have done that when the ball slow when the ball slowed down, the ball got a bit softer. It would have been a very very hard chase on the you know last sort of quarter of the game uh, for for Australia. So it was integral. It really was. Yeah, abs- absolutely right, Raj. Australia had to really make a lot of hay while that deck was hard and the ball was new because as soon as South Africa were able to bring in their two premier spinners, Maharaj and Shamsi, you knew you were in for a tough 20-over session. You were, you knew that the ball was going to turn 
take the pace out of the wicket and it was going to be tough to to get the ball away because uh, there was grip, the ball held up in the surface a little bit. So Australia identified very, very well, very early that Janssen was the man to target, 27 off the first three overs from him. Um, and they decided that in the same way that India went after him, that they were going to go after him and, and try and sort of belt him out of the attack. And they were able to do that. He only bowled three overs in that first spell, didn't come back until the end of the match. So Australia really identified the right matchup for them. Head and Warner were tremendous in getting Australia off to a good start. And look, the reality is that at 60 after six overs, they hadn't quite broken the back of that chase, but they put themselves in a position where they were able to chase that with with kind of middling partnerships. We can get partnerships of 20, 30, 40 from here on in and still be okay. If they were three for 15, then you need a huge partnership, 120, 130 run partnership to get you back in the game. So a um, bit of a risk for Australia, but they they took the risk that was calculated. They took the risk when the ball was hard and was coming onto the bat. And as the staying goes, the faster it comes, the faster it goes. And it was certainly the case last night. Yeah. and, and I, But I think you have to give South Africa a lot of credit for the way they, they bounce back after that, actually. To be oh, 60 yeah, for, for, sure. for none after six, and uh, you know, to go into that situation, they get they get a wicket. They you know, uh, Markram goes through. You know, bring on bringing on himself, which is was a bold call at the time. Bringing on himself gets a wicket. Oh, Bavuma, sorry, Bavuma bringing on Markram, and then you know they get another one. Great catch from Rusty Vanderdassen, and they just kept picking up wickets the whole way. And and we've talked a lot in this World Cup about the only way to stem runs is to pick up wickets at the moment in ODI cricket, and they just managed to find a way. I mean, you know, I have to talk about. Uh, Maharaj going through the gate of Travis Head, it, you know, beautiful. He's done that a lot in this tournament, actually, kind of bowling these these wonder balls, and he did it again, and, and he's had a, a great tournament, Keshav Maharaj. And look, they just kept picking up wickets and wickets and wickets, and suddenly Australia's 137 for five, and, and a bit shaky, you know, after Shamsi gets a couple of wickets. I mean, you know, where were the nerve levels at, Baldy? Uh, I think th- it wasn't so much nerves as a little bit of frustration was building for me. Because if you have a look at the dismissals, Manus was out dismissed on a turning wicket trying to reverse sweep a ball on the stumps out LBW. Not a fantastic shot. Uh, Maxwell got a half tracker, you know, a drag down and try and hit it out of the park without really being uh, in, having had a look at only five or six balls and was bold. You know, on reflection, you know, he scored 200 the other day by just batting a bit of time and then waiting until he could line the ball up. So he was a little bit rushed there. Australia were trying to rush through that a little bit. One too many risks. Smith hit the ball straight up in the air, trying to slog it out of the ground. So Australia lost their way a little bit in that in that spell. South Africa need a lot of credit for coming back into that match by bowling good areas, uh, you know, Shamsi and Maharaj in particular, Markram as well. But Australia were just just losing their way a little bit. They they could have been a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more calculated in their in their pursuit. And we ended up in a space where we were one sort of, what was it, 130 for 5-ish, uh, still with 80 to get. And, and South Africa were in the game. Australia allowed them to a certain extent to be in the game at that point with those kind of rashish kind of shots. That's a good good segue into into Josh Inglis when he came to the to the crease. Uh, a lot of talk about him and his form uh, amongst us on the podcast. What did you make of that, that that innings? Great cameo, fantastic cameo for Josh Inglis to get Australia under control to within touching distance of the last hurdle. It was a really good delivery from Gerald Kutsia that beat him. It was a great Yorker. He bowled sort of two two short balls into the wicket, get him thinking about coming back coming back, and then he bowled a great Yorker, you know, pitched right on the crease, snuck under his bat. He got his bat down to it, but snuck under his bat 
and then back onto the stump. So I think it was 28 off 45-ish for Josh Inglis. It was exactly what Australia needed at that point. Uh, he was batting with Mitchell Stark for a lot of that as well. So he really paced that chase you know, quite nicely, and I was really impressed with the way that he held his head and, and maintained his calm under pressure and saw Australia within touching distance for Stark and Cummins to kind of gently guide at home one run and over at a time. It was never in doubt, was it, when Stark and Cummins were there, 20 runs to get, you you weren't nervous at all? Oh, very. No, no, I was very nervous. When when Inglis was dismissed, I had visions of South Africa, Kutsia and Rabada in particular, running through Australia and, you know, it, it, it being a, a very, very close finish. But Stark and Cummins just knew exactly what they needed. They were fortunate in that they were only chasing 212. They had 10 overs to get. I think it was only 20 or 30 runs maximum at that point. Might have even been less than than 30 by the time the 40th over rolled around. So they knew exactly what they needed. They were happy to face out you know, a couple of overs where they only got one. Cummins hit one boundary behind square, and all of a sudden it goes from 20 to 16. They did a really, really good job of staying cool under pressure and not taking too many risks. I think we only really saw, saw one wild shot from uh, from Stark, a big sweep against, I think it might have been Markram, uh, from a ball that was outside off stump. Couldn't have been dismissed from that ball unless he top-edged it. So Australia's lower-order batters showed some real poise against South Africa. And they had a bit of luck too. There were catches that could have gone to hand. I can sort of think of two or three balls into the circle that could have quite easily gone to hand had they got another foot or so. Uh, Quinton de Kock dropped a chance, you know, inside edge off of Cummins, uh, could have could have taken that chance, and that would have put Australia in real trouble at that point. Um, so Australia showed a pretty good poise to get home from there. But I was quite nervous at that point, Raj, uh, when Inglis was dismissed by Kutsia because he had his tail up. He bowled great, didn't he, Kutsia? That was a that was a really fantastic spell. I mean, I, I tuned in. Like, look, I, I as much as I wanted to watch all of this game as well. I, I you know, after an, getting about thirty minutes sleep the day before watching New Zealand India, I just couldn't. You know, I, I crashed out. But I I got up this morning uh, live. Uh, Australia needed thirty nine off a hundred balls to go five five wickets down uh, when I started tuning in live, and you know you. Could see us steaming in around the wicket to Steve Smith, and yeah, he and he he forced him into a, a rash shot by by just not. I was going to say I was going to say annoying him, but like it, that's almost what it felt like. You know, he was sort of making him feel uncomfortable, and Smith was like, "I've had enough of this, and I want to get it out of here." And goes for the big shot. I think Michael Atherton, what did he call it? He called it a a uh, Smith took an almighty swipe. Uh, and and it goes up in the air and and he's out and you know as you say it it was weird because you had that sense that the Australian batters were calm and they were sort of feeling like you know Iceman Cummins is there at the end in the in the you know big heat of a of a chase but there were so many little chances could see a you know edge like got the edge of Stark and they'd just taken out slip and it's gone through slip and ball kept ballooning just short of fielders, just wide of people. Yeah, very, very, I mean, we talked about it right at the start, right? These these low-scoring, nervy chases are so good for the drama for us to to watch as fans. And, yeah, I mean, Kutsia, I, I think he's going to take a huge amount from this World Cup. He's been he's been absolutely brilliant on the, on the big stage. And, you know, we talked plenty about how kind of life-changing it's going to be for, for Rachin Ravindra. I think similarly it could be for Kutsia because... He's just put himself up in the spotlight so many times, and and every time he's just 
got something about him, you know. He's got that energy and he, he runs in hard and yeah, I think he's I think he's a real got a really big future for South Africa. Yeah, we, we talked about it on a, on an earlier pod. Uh, he's only 23, 24, very young, and I actually think he'll be a better red ball bowler than he is a, a white ball bowler. He bowls great areas um, for, for that um, form of the game. But, yep, he's definitely... If, if South Africa ever play red ball cricket ever again. Yeah, but he, uh, he, um, he's definitely in Baldy's, Baldy's book, my book, <laughs> that we share. Certainly is. He, he's going to be a future leader of their attack alongside Marco Janssen, Gerald Kutsia. We've talked about how good Mohamed Shami's World Cup has been. He's got 23 wickets. Gerald Kutsia's got 20 wickets and he missed two games. He's been, he's been outstanding in this World Cup and a real find for South Africa, one for the future for them. As you say, Stuart, if they play any, uh, any long-form cricket, he'll be one of the first picked for sure. I only came into this tournament because of an injury to Enric Nokia, so... It was uh, an unlikely emergence for him, but uh, South Africa have found one there for sure. Anything else we want to touch on about this this game in in particular? I mean, I, I would I will just quickly jump in and say I think South Africa could take a lot of credit from the way they've played in this tournament. I know, you know, jokingly we've been sort of at Raj about him, uh, you know, sort of saying that they wouldn't make it over the the final hurdle, and and look, that's ultimately proved the case to to not make this final, but. You know, I think the way that they've played, they've really brought a lot to this World Cup. There've been some fantastic tournaments individually from a lot of them. We just mentioned Kutsia. Maharaj has been excellent. Klaassen's been superb. Quinton de Kock in his last, you know, potentially his last ODI. They they say they retired, but, you know, we've seen what happens about that. But, you know, he said he's retiring from this format after that, and and he's had a tremendous World Cup right up there at the top of the, the run charts. Miller gets this 100 in the final look. They've, there's been some big, big highlights from them, and they've they've fought very, very hard in this final. You know, a lot of a lot of times it's about South Africa kind of getting to that last moment and not being able to finish the job. I don't think you can say that about them today. They fought incredibly hard, and sort of the bounce of the ball or the the luck at, at the final those final stages didn't quite go their way. And yeah, I think they can be very proud of what they've done in this tournament. Yeah, definitely. Um, I. I think the rain came in a very opportune, opportune time or, or inopportune time, depending on what color shirt you're wearing. Uh, they were able to, to go off, collect themselves and, and, and actually set a really good score. Throughout this World Cup, they're definitely in the conversation for that sort of second best team. You can make arguments sort of either way with South Africa and Australia. Uh, but ultimately, this is about building up the, the South African, uh, South African, we'll call it a, a vehicle momentum, whatever you want to call it, going forward, uh, they've been good for the last sort of 24 months, um, picking up, you know, vict- the the series victory in New Zealand is one that, that sort of stands in my mind. Uh, sorry, it was a drawn series, wasn't it? Right. But it was a yep. drawn series, but the victory in New Zealand at a time where it's hard to score victories in New Zealand, definitely with the Red Bull, uh, and then uh, a good World Cup here. I think they'll be disappointed to, to sort of not make that World Cup final. Uh, but um, yeah, they can hold their heads high. They've really... Um, bounced back from a bad situation and, and put Australia under a lot of pressure. Yeah, they, they were just a, a little bit unlucky today. As you say, Stuart, a couple of, couple of little half chances go to hand, particularly in that last 10 overs. Uh, they ran up against a, a, a ground situation, a condition situation that was really conducive to seam bowling early on, and it was it was really tough for them. You know, Australia made it really, really tough, got a few breakthroughs. Um, you know, Australia were, were prepared brilliantly for this game. You've got to give Australia credit for the way that they prepared and came out with their attitude for this game. But South Africa were fantastic in this game. They played as uh, in under the circumstances, 
about as good as they could possibly play. Um, and they were just they just fell ever so slightly short, which can happen in a game of cricket. And it can happen without, um, you know, without you playing it below your best. South Africa were, were very, very good in this game, close to their best, and they were just pipped at the post by a, an Australian side that, let's face it, got a little bit lucky at certain stages. And sometimes you need that to get through to the final or win a final of a big tournament. Shall we talk a tiny bit about that final? I know we'll probably end up doing it, you know, something else where we where we preview it in, in more detail. But Sunday now on, on to Ahmedabad, India, Australia. I mean, Baldy, how, how are you feeling? This Indian team has just been a juggernaut throughout this tournament. What, Australia, what chances? I imagine, I imagine I'm feeling how you guys were feeling ahead of the semi-final in that uh, Australia aren't really fancy to win this final. They're up against, you know, 11 guys on the field, 130,000 in the stadium and a billion watching around India, all cheering for India. No one will be cheering for Australia. So they'll, they'll just go in. I think they'll go in with freedom, right? This is making the final is probably slightly above what most Australian fans would have expected from this team in this World Cup. I think we've overachieved a little bit to get to this point. So a little bit like New Zealand's shot in the semi-final. It's a bit of a free hit for Australia, and Australia can go out and play with a little bit more freedom than India. Um, we can put India under pressure potentially with bat and ball, and, and we'll just see what happens. Um, but I'll, I'll be tremendously proud of how Australia have evolved over this tournament from the first two games where I was critical of them. A lot of people were critical of their preparation and their attitude and their fielding and their catching to build through the tournament, um, it's a real credit to Cummins as captain, as you know, the, the coaching staff and the players to get themselves up for this moment. Um, so regardless of what happens, I think Australia can have given a good account of themselves in this World Cup. They're up against it against an Indian side that is you know, chock full of talent. I mean, if you were picking a, a team of the tournament on form, half of them would make it easily. Um, and, you know, it, it could be Australia, uh, India versus the rest of the world in this final. And I think it's still back India um, to win the game. But um, it's a, it's going to be a hell of a final in Ahmedabad. 130,000 people watching. Uh, it's going to be a cracker. Yeah, that, that, that Indian machine that you talk about, Baldi, will just keep on chugging along. Well, that's the plan anyway. I feel like if they were in, inserted into this game on this pitch, you feel like they would have just easily scored at six runs and over, don't you? They're just easily, no risk, taken six singles or a boundary and a couple of singles, three or four singles off the over and, and scored at uh, well above a runner, runner ball. And that, that, that's the advantage they have playing at home in conditions that they they know really, really well. Um, but in order to, to uh, sort of topple the machine or knock the machine over, you have to give them something that, uh, or put something in front of them they're not expecting. And uh, as much as I hate or dislike to admit it, um, there is plenty to like about Australian cricket, um, especially the way you have to admire the way they turn up when it counts. Uh, they, they love being the underdog, which you mentioned there. They haven't, they're not usually the underdog when it comes to cricket, but um, you can imagine the sort of, it's, it's 11, it's not 11 versus 11 in that final, it's 11 versus 1 billion. Uh, that'll be the sort of line that they'll go uh, being the underdog, but Look, they're not going to give it to India. India is going to have to win this game, and then that's what I, what I'm really looking forward to. I think it'll be a great final. Let's let's hope so, and and let's let's leave it there for today. And an excellent uh, an excellent match, an excellent uh, win for Australia. Very very excited for this final. One more game, boys. One more game uh, in this World Cup. We've we've done every single day 
of these uh, of this Cricket World Cup, and I hope you've enjoyed the coverage. If you have, like Binksy said the other day, smash the subscribe button. We're, we're really enjoying all the all the comments and support we've had throughout this tournament. But we'll leave it there for this morning here in New Zealand. I hope you have a, a wonderful day wherever you are around the world, and we'll see you again for the final. <laughs>